The Nashville Predators defeated the Arizona Coyotes in their first game back since the All-Star break. On today's Locked On Predators, we'll talk about that 5-4 overtime win and the one play that may change the next 30 games of the regular season and Barry Trotz's mind. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Predators podcast, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Of course, we got to start out this episode the way we start out every one of our episodes, and that's by giving a shout out to our Locked On Predheads, our everyday listeners who tune in and talk Nashville Predators hockey with us each and every day. Want to let you know how much we appreciate you and love your support. I'm Ann Kimmel. I am a writer at the Hockey News. I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan, but Nick is going to be taking a couple of days off. Coming up on today's show, we have hockey to talk about. After a long all-star break, the Preds got back to the ice. We're going to recap Nashville's 5-4 overtime win over the Arizona Coyotes. Plus, it is Monday, and you know on Mondays it is plus minus. We're going to give a plus to things that we liked from last week, and we are going to have to give a couple minuses out for areas of improvement. Before we dive into all of this, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you're going to get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So Predators finally back to the ice after that extended all-star break. They returned for a Saturday night in Smashville was not necessarily sure what to expect. The Predators were coming off of a rough stretch before the break where they had lost five of their last six. And the game they were coming back to was against a team that had already been back playing after their long break, Central Division rival, the Arizona Coyotes, who also are still battling for points to kind of get themselves back into a postseason position. So it was going to be a big test for the Predators right out of the gate after the All-Star break. And they came through. Let me tell you real quick how they did that. So this is the game recap from Saturday night. First of all, Ryan O'Reilly kicked off the scoring for the Nashville Predators at 12:28 in the first period. He had a close net front shot that kind of trickled over Connor Ingram's shoulder, down his back, and into the net to give Nashville the first goal of the game, which is something that's pretty important to the Predators we've seen statistically. But before that goal could even be finished being announced by Paul McCann, Travis Dermott scored from the point through traffic to tie the game up 1-1. Roman Yossi got the lead back. Wait for it. I know you're going to be surprised. But with a power play goal midway through a wild second period that was full of penalties and power plays and all sorts of craziness, Arizona went and tied that up with a power play goal of their own with less than two minutes to go into the second period. Third period kicked off with a two to two tie, but Arizona came out in the third period, got two quick goals in the first four minutes 
to take a four to two lead in the third period. Predators decided that they weren't going to let that go. Tommy Novak scored Nashville's second power play goal of the night at six minutes to get Nashville back within one goal. And then who else, my friends, but Philip Forsberg tied the game up midway through the third period, cleaning up a loose puck that had kind of squirted off to Ingram's side. It was all Predators through the rest of the third period, but Nashville did need to go to overtime to get two points. Tommy Novak found Ryan McDonough open in the slot. Ryan McDonough sent the puck past Ingram for the game-winning overtime goal. Of course, at Locked on Predators, when we have a game, we always like to summarize the game with our one word. want to kick it off with some of your one words. I asked on Twitter, how would you describe that game back? Got some great answers. 08 Glasser said, electric. At Spinal Drake, 2107 said, beautiful. At Morgan 97D went with promising. I like the optimism there. BS Fisher 19 said, and I love how you follow the rules by mushing this all together. Uh, Smashville standing O. And that's something we're actually going to circle back and talk about here in just a little bit. For me, as I watched this game, my one word to describe the Predators win over Arizona in overtime and in the cycle of this game and kind of the way this game unfolded is runner's high. Now, many, many moons ago, I used to be a runner. And, you know, as a runner, if you start out running, you kind of start out and you sort of settle into your pace. And as you're running along, you, you kind of feel okay, but then you do hit these little moments where you're like, gosh, you know, this muscle is still a little bit tight or, you know, I'm, I'm not quite got my breathing down quite right. And, and you sort of have to make some adjustments as you get into the run. But the longer you get going in the run, you inevitably hit this point in time as a runner where your lungs are kind of burning and your muscles are starting to get fatigued and you almost have to make this choice of like i'm going to push through this and i'm going to finish this run because your body is sending the message that like you know what this is too much like i don't i'm not i don't get enough oxygen i'm sore i don't want to keep running but you kind of push through that and when you push through that you get what sometimes people refer to as a runner's high little bit of trivia i looked this up and, and i'm telling you i saw this on a reputable i think site we usually credit runners high to endorphins it's actually not endorphins believe it or not that relaxed post-run feeling that kind of great feeling that you get you know kind of when you push past these things when a run it's actually due to something called endocannabinoids that's right endocannabinoids, biochemical substances similar to cannabis, but naturally produced by the body. Do with that information what you will. This game against the Arizona Coyotes for me was really a, a, that kind of a run. You know, the Predators sort of started out fine. They got that first goal of the game, hit a couple of bumps in the road. Arizona was able to respond pretty quickly. They gave up a power play goal. The second period, again, was a revolving door of penalties. But really, when Arizona scored those two quick goals to kick off the third period and go up four to two, it literally was like your lungs are burning, your leg muscles are tired, and you're thinking, I've got to decide, am I going to push through this or am I going to give up? And in that game Saturday night, the crowd in the decisions that the Nashville Predators made really changed that game. You know, it was those endocannabinoids kind of kicked in. 
and Nashville came out and got that 5-4 overtime win. Would have been great to get those two points in regulation, but here's the thing. Nashville could have folded uh, when they were down 4-2 to two in the third period, and they pushed through it, and they got the win. And I, I would say that most everybody in Bridgestone Arena was thrilled and excited by that game, as were the Predators afterward when we talked to them. First thing that we need to talk about is the fact that Nashville scored two power play goals. Now, they went two for six statistically, but let me just say, if you missed the game, the second period, there apparently was a rumor that there were snacks in the sin bin because everybody in their brother was cycling through and you would have a power play and then you would have four on four play. Then you would have a, a little brief snippet of a power play, but then four on four play. So it wasn't like Nashville had, you know, 12 minutes of power play time on six chances. Nashville's last power play goal before Saturday night's game was January 20th, scored by none other than Roman Yossi against the Arizona Coyotes. The Predators since January 20th were 0-18 on the power play. That is not going to get it done. You know, and this was something that Andrew Burnett was really cognizant of. He talked about it uh, in the practices after the break, kind of leaning up to, leading up to the Arizona game. He spent a lot of time over break, really going over the power play, looking at film, seeing what wasn't working, what wasn't happening, what needed to happen, when were they successful and what did it look like and how do they need to adjust to get back to scoring on the power play. And he spent a lot of time in those practices focused with the power play units on making corrections. And so to see Nashville capitalize on those two power play goals, I think was really huge. Getting one would have been great. Getting two was fantastic. And it, you know, great to see that going. And, and hopefully there's some momentum there that they can build on when it comes to special teams. Also, there is a moment of how many games would have been changed with a successful power play or two. That's a little bit of a harder point to chew on. So we're going to move on from that. But I think power play goals, that's something really to take away. They made some adjustments. They had some success on it. Let's see if they can continue that with some pretty tough games on the schedule coming up. Another takeaway I really think is important is the resilience of this team. That's a word that Ryan O'Reilly very specifically used when we asked him post-game about the game and really what was the most important thing in getting that win. He said, look, this was resilience. You know, you are tied in the game. You have the lead, lose it, get the lead, lose it. You're tied going into the third. And in four minutes, you were down two goals. And let's be honest, those were not particularly great goals. Um, what do you do? Well, we can all say we've seen Nashville fold in that situation before, something Andrew Burnett's talked about. They didn't do it in the third period. We talked about Corsi four, that is possession, that's puck possession time. Nashville in the third period possessed the puck 68% of the time. The um, NHL stats say that the Predators outshot Arizona 17 to six. So they really showed some great resilience. Coming up, we're going to talk about a third takeaway that I think is really important, and it all boils down to one play in the game Saturday night that could have an impact on how these next 30 days go for the National Predators, and I think it may have an impact on decisions Barry Trotz is getting ready to make. We're going to talk about that in just one moment.
First, want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Sleeper. The Nashville Predators have 30 games left in the regular season, and they are in the thick of the playoff hunt. But regardless of where the Preds are in the standings, I want to remind you that you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether players like Philip Forsberg, Ryan O'Reilly, or Roman Yossi will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, shots on goal, plus minus, and more. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. That's right. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you're going to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availabilities. All right, we are talking about three takeaways from Saturday's win over the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm going to actually circle back to one for my third takeaway. And that's talking about those power play goals. In the third period, with 14 minutes remaining in the third period, the Predators are down two goals. They are on the power play. The first power play unit doesn't get anything going. They can't capitalize. And out comes the second power play unit. On that second power play unit, you have Tommy Novak, you have Ryan uh, Ryan McDonough, you have Gus Nyquist, Luke Evangelista, and Colton Sissons. And here's just what's real. Regardless of the personnel, for a long stretch of the season recently, the second power play unit has not been good. The second power play unit at times has really struggled to even enter the zone and to get set up. And it started to feel like maybe the second power play unit was just out there long enough to give the first power play unit a chance to catch their breath. Like there really wasn't much offensive threat happening on that second power play unit. And then Saturday night happened. Tommy Novak scored a goal again, six minutes into the third period to make it a one goal game. And I think that that play right there could be a play that you want to put a pin in as far as something that's going to affect the Predators maybe going forward and could have bigger implications than just the next one or two games for a couple of reasons. First, let's be honest. Tommy Novak has really been snake bit um, recently. He's had trouble kind of getting his groove back. He was injured and missed some games, just struggled to kind of get that groove back. Uh, Andrew Burnett kind of talked about that, that he's seen Tommy Novak gripping the stick a little bit tight. So to see him score that goal and kind of get that initial monkey off his back, I think it's going to be really huge for Tommy Novak as an individual player to see him going. I also think it's going to be helpful for the team if, if the Nashville Predators can build on that unit having some success. You know, Ryan McDonough had the assist on that. I think that the secondary assist was uh, Luke Evangelista. If you can get that second unit going, 
that's going to make a big difference because I think we've gotten to a point where we've accepted that it's going to be the top unit that scores on the power play, if ever, and not the second unit. You get that second power play unit going and you can change the outcome of games with two minutes of offensive threat instead of maybe one minute with the top unit out there and the second unit just passing the rest of the time. But if you can get Tommy Novak going on a line with somebody like Cody Glass, uh, Phil Tomasino, there was a period of time where Gus Nyquist was playing with Novak and Glass. That's going to be a game changer at five on five. The other reason I think this play might be worth keeping in the back of your mind going forward is that, you know, we've talked about the UFAs that are kind of coming up on the end of the season. And Barry Trotz has been very upfront about saying, look, I'm undecided. Like there are some players I'm still deciding on what is their long-term future here. At the beginning of the season, I think we can all agree Tommy Novak would be a long-term future guy. I think you know, when he got injured and when he struggled, all of a sudden there was a little bit of a question like, is he going to be one of the young players we build around? Is he somebody that Barry Trotz is going to want to re-sign and, and bring back? I wonder if that play is going to spark something for Tommy Novak that's going to reassure Barry Trotz, yes, this is going to be a guy for us. Um, we're going to wait and see, you know, we still want to see this kind of carry over with Novak in the next couple of games, but this may have been a play that reassures Barry Trotz that, wait, this kid has it. You also look at the assist he had on that game winning overtime goal. That's a smart hockey play. Now, of course it is Monday. We've talked about Saturday night's game. We also want to look back at the entire week and talk about some different things that went well, some things that didn't go well. And we're going to do that in a very quick plus minus coming up here in just one moment. First, want to let you know that this episode is also brought to you by our great friends at FanDuel. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks, friends, if your bet wins. And you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets. They have live same-game parlays. They have exclusive props. They have so much more. So go and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can shoot your shot. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So again, it is Monday. Monday, you know, we have to do a quick plus minus. We give pluses to the things that went well for the week, minuses to areas for improvement. Want to start out and give our first plus to one Philip Forsberg. Philip Forsberg coming off of an outstanding all-star appearance that kind of reminded the league that this man is more than just his mustache. In Saturday night's game, Forsberg was one of five players who ended up, ended with a goal and an assist in Saturday's game. He had eight shots on goal. His assist turned in uh, turned out to be his 300th career assist. Um, so a, kind of a milestone marker for Philip Forsberg. Forsberg is just such a unique player, and I think Nashville sometimes is so used to him, we don't appreciate it. But this is somebody who has the finesse to tap the puck in the air around two defenders and take it to the net. We saw him do that Saturday night in a play that was absolutely insane. But he's also somebody who is strong enough to win puck battles and battle through traffic to get to the net front. 
I think Philip Forsberg really is turning into um, just the guy who is going to carry this team. I know that there was a stretch before the break where that top line was struggling to produce. I think Philip Forsberg found some of his mojo at the All-Star game, and we saw that on display Saturday. Are going to need that in the games coming up because there are some big games where you're going to need your top guys to play their best. But Philip Forsberg, my friend, you absolutely get a huge plus. I also want to give another plus to Tyson Berry. I know that may shock you. You might need a minute because Tyson Berry has kind of been, well, let's just say maybe not in the plus column a lot this season. This has been a tough go for Tyson Berry. Really hasn't found his place in Andrew Brunette's system. He's been a healthy scratch. There's been a little, you know, like sands through the hourglass days of our lives drama off ice with news leaking that he had requested to talk to some other teams. Tyson Berry very rarely in the lineup was in the lineup. Don't take Fabro a healthy scratch, which I thought was interesting, but I think we saw Tyson Berry's best game of the season on Saturday night. Um, Berry was put on the top power play unit. That's somewhere that Tyson Berry has been really good all his career. Saw him on that top power play unit. He had an assist on Roman Yossi's goal. It's a place where he shines. I don't think it's going to change anything. I don't think this means that Tyson Berry is going to have a great future, uh, a long-term future with the Nashville Predators. I don't think he's a piece that fits. But I think it was really good to see him kind of get his skates under him. He's had some games where he came in not so great. This was a good one for him. So Tyson Berry, I am going to give you a plus. Want to give a little minus here. And again, a topic we've talked about, a minus to Phil Tomasino in his third period minutes. Um, this was another one of those situations in the game where we saw Phil Tomasino, you know, he did have kind of a, a bad turnover in the game that led to Arizona getting, getting a score, um, and ended up just playing, I think one shift in the third period played just a total of eight minutes and 31 seconds in the entire game. And it's a tough situation for Brunette because the Predators are in a playoff run. Every game does count. You don't want to lose a game because a young player makes a mistake. And you do have to trust the players in those moments. But the only way that you earn that trust is by being given an opportunity. So for me, that is a, a bit of a minus. And it's something that we need to keep our eye on. I, I think there's a dynamic at some point with Phil Tomasino, where we need to see more opportunities for him in big moments. Another minus that I want to go bigger picture, and this is an NHL minus. And in, you know, I think we've seen on social media, everybody has an opinion on this, but I want to give a minus to Morgan Riley. And the empty netter heard around the world. Um, so in case you haven't seen it, Ottawa played Toronto this weekend. Ottawa was up 4-3 over Toronto. Toronto went empty net for the extra attacker. Ottawa got the puck and uh, Ridley Gregg skated up the ice. And right in front of the net, he just stretches back and hits a slap shot into the empty net goal. Morgan Riley took exception to this, goes after him and ended up high sticking him in the head. Now, I've read all the tweets. You know, people saying he went to high stick him in the shoulder and it slid up or, you know, you have to have a reaction. My favorite response is that there is an unwritten code in hockey 
And one of those things that you don't do is what Ridley Gregg did. You don't go down there and hit a hard slap shot in an empty net, you know, because it's kind of showing off. It's, it's a little bit of a middle finger to it. It's a goal. A goal counts the same way, whether a dude gently taps it in or hits it with a slap shot, you're still going to lose that game 5-3. Second of all, even unwritten rules change. Sports evolve. The game on the ice is evolving. We can all say that this is a very different style of play now than it was in hockey 15 years ago. One of the things that's going to evolve too are these unwritten rules. And one of the reasons that it's going to evolve is because of young players like Ridley Gregg. Gregg is a 21-year-old kid. He's playing in his second season. And these young kids look at Nashville's team. You know, you've got Luke Evangelista. You've got, you know, Tommy Novak. You know, you've got Connor Bedard. You've got all of these young kids playing, Trevor Zegras kind of playing. And they do play big and they play a little extra and they play with a little zhuzh. And while you may not like it, I think secretly everybody wants it. You like watching them play with some swagger. You know, it reminds me of the quote from A Few Good Men. You know, you don't want the troop because deep down in places people don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You may hate that this kid did this, but you also secretly like that kind of zhuzhi style of play. And here's the thing. A lot of the young players coming in the league, that's just how they're going to play. And I think at some point the NHL has to adjust to it. Look, if you feel like it was disrespectful, drop the gloves. But a high stick to the head is ridiculous. And if you feel like Toronto needed to do that to prove that they aren't soft, Toronto probably needs to win games and people won't talk about them being soft. It was just a ridiculous decision by Morgan Riley. And here's the thing. Morgan Riley is not a repeat offender. You know, this is not somebody who takes cheap shots. I don't even know that I would necessarily, I mean, if you want me to believe that he was going for the shoulder and it slid up, I'll give you that inch, but it's just a bad decision. You're going to have to make space. I think everybody here in Nashville knows Yaroslav Askarov is probably going to bench press a goal in the NHL someday, and somebody's going to have to not get their panties in a wad. Of course, we cannot end, friends, we cannot end on a negative. That's not who we are. We are optimists here at Lockdown Predators. So my last and biggest plus has to go to the crowd at Bridgestone Arena Saturday night. Y'all, what a night. Saturday night in Smashville just hasn't quite felt the same way recently. It hasn't sort of lived up to that reputation recently. And I think that it's fair to say that, look, that's not just on the fans. The Predators, of course, this season have struggled at home. Man, Saturday night, y'all, Saturday night was magic. It's the loudest I've ever heard Bridgestone Arena, ever. When the Predators went down two goals, the fans could have filed right on out of Bridgestone Arena and called it. Because let's face it, we've had games where that was the beginning of the end. But the crowd got behind this team. And let me tell you something, the players and Andrew Brunette noticed this is what they had to say about that crowd after the game. I can't uh, say I think I've heard this building that loud in my tenure here with the Preds. So that was an unbelievable atmosphere and, and great to cap it off with a win. Oh, that was awesome. That was kind of, you know, obviously, for myself, first time kind of experiencing that, uh, that here. And um, that was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was awesome just to see everyone on their feet and showing that support. And for us to go get the win, too, obviously, is, uh, is awesome. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling. And we're, you know, 
hopefully that'll be there a lot more. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, obviously we you do have to to earn it, but I thought that was uh, that was great. That obviously kind of kept feeding that attack at the end, and uh, yeah, we're obviously would love that every night. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope they, as a group, uh, felt or understood this big time year and, and the, the crowd. If, if we're they're behind you, and, and we found we got them energized, but they energized us in a lot of different ways. And that's a fun. This is a fun atmosphere. I've played in both sides. Played in here as a as a player on the home team and a player on the visiting team. And it, it the crowd when when you're doing things and they get it behind you. It's a, it's a hard place to play in, and it's a fun place when you're on the team that's the crowd's behind you. So uh, hopefully we can maybe learn from that and use that to to our advantage here going forward. Smashville 100%, you get the biggest plus of the week. That was incredible. So what were your highlights from the week? I know we only had the one Arizona game. What did you see from the Nashville Predators? Let us know, drop us a comment on our YouTube page, or you can follow us and let us know on social media. Check us out at LO underscore Predators. On tomorrow's show, we are going to preview the Predators game Tuesday night against the New Jersey Devils. Of course, later this week, they also have the Dallas Stars coming up. So a lot to talk about this week as the Predators keep pushing for the playoffs. Until then, want to thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day. I'll be back tomorrow to talk some Predators Devils. We'll see you then.